Greetings, PBIC. Welcome to the Post Church Podcast, a time where we reflect on the Sunday sermon and answer some practical questions. My name is Neil, and I'm here with Pastor Sean and Pastor Billy. We're still in the King and Kingdom series. We're in the parables, and today we looked at Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 to 46, the parable of the pearls. Pastor Billy, take it away. Thanks, Neil. So we've come now to really a couplet of parables. So uh, the parable of the great, of the pearl of great value is inextricably linked to the parable of the hidden treasure. They follow sort of a similar format. A individual finds something of great value and then sells all they have um, to acquire um, that thing. So fundamentally, we're still, Jesus is still talking about the value of the kingdom, the costliness of the kingdom, um, the worth of the kingdom. Um, so that's the fundamental idea, uh, which remains the same. But it's in the differences between the parables that may, we have an angle for um, some additional insight. So in the parable of uh, the pearl, the difference in this situation is that the merchant that is um, finds the pearl is actively look, looking for it. He's searching for it versus in the parable of the hidden treasure where the man um, sort of stumbles upon it. Um, so we spent a great deal of time in the sermon sort of focusing on that, that searching after God and how there are different ways that people come to God. Sometimes it's, um, you know, some, some sort of um, miraculous sort of thing that happens. Or, um, and other times there's, it's the outcome of a, a life of consistent pursuit. Um, so I thought today we might consider, like, looking in our own lives and kind of maybe comparing our own stories to other stories that we've heard. Because when I, when I thought about this idea, I thought about the fact that I can remember thinking back and um, one, one particular thing jumps to mind. Um, it was a testimony of someone that I heard when I was um, early on in college. And it was a young man about my same age who had come to the faith uh, but came from a di different religious background. And he had this testimony of, you know, when he came to be a Christian of his family, um, basically like disowning him, you know, and just um, not just that, but actually turning physically violent towards him because of his faith. I remember hearing this <clears throat> and kind of going, wow, what an amazing story. And then looking at my own life and going, uh, did, are, are, do we have the same faith? Are we living the same life here, right? It didn't, I felt this kind of like um, disconnect, if you will. So I don't know if you guys have experienced like a similar type of thing where you've heard, you know, stories and testimonies of folks and then somewhere along your faith stream, you kind of made a comparison and went kind of like, wait, what's, you know, how does this, how does my faith compare in light of something like that? I don't know if you guys experienced a similar thing. Well, I, I guess I could, uh, 
I can see that. I do see that in my life um, in a way that my background, you know, coming from being born into a Christian family, sort of, you know, like uh, we were from the Protestant CSI background and being in Kerala and in, uh, growing up in India, we were in that surrounded in that culture, Christian culture. And um, we were always in church, surrounded by that community. Um, so then coming here, moving to Philadelphia, and then joining, uh, you know, especially PVIC Church, we see and hearing the testimonies of people that are the conversions that have happened, you know, that that go through. And I've definitely, you know, comparing, it's like it's more of a steady for me, especially, it's more of a steady growth compared to, uh, like a instant, instant transformation, and it's always, I mean, there's worth in both, right? Like it's there. It, there's a difference, but I, I agree. Like it's in the back of my mind. It's always like, it, is it? Is should it be that way? Yeah, you yeah. Know? Well, is there a way it's supposed to be? And I don't think there's a way. I don't think there's a way it's supposed to be. I, I think for me, it boiled down to. Um, having those feelings initially <clears throat> at that time in my life mm. uh, I don't think I had fully comprehended the gospel at that mm. at that point because if at that point I had really understood the depth of my own brokenness and sinf sinfulness and selfishness I would have been able to see that whatever outward expressions of th those there were in, in people's lives you know people maybe struggling with whatever kinds of mm. you know addictions or whatever they, they were they all come back to or funnel out of this fundamental um um, depravity that we have right so at that time I don't think I understood the depth of that for me I think for now me, now though now yeah. having the context for it I can look back and say yeah it's the it's the same it's the same miracle I just at that time was not graced to see the depth of my brokenness at that moment if that makes sense right yeah that does make a lot of sense I know that I have similar backgrounds to both of you I was raised in a Christian home going to Bible studies and prayer meetings on Wednesdays and Saturday nights and part of that routine and I believe I was saved at a very young age but I know that when we went to the uh, PVIC Philly church and I, I encountered a few a few gentlemen there and saw their conversion and heard their conversion stories I you know I was I sat back and I thought if I was in that position would I have endured hmm. would would I would I have would the outcome be the same yeah. and and it started to make me question my faith itself you know I started to think, wow, if I if I was in that guy's spot, you know, would I would I be praising God or would I have turned away and 
and left the faith altogether. Um, so it made me really question my faith to be around people like that, which is which I think is a healthy thing. But like you said, Billy, later on, as I became more mature in the faith, later on I started to reflect on things like what Paul says in Romans 7, mm-hmm. when he looks at himself and he, he mm-hmm. calls himself a wretched man. Yeah. Uh, Paul says that. Um, and it makes me realize that when you think like I had just said, you often don't have a good understanding of the depravity of your heart and the depravity of your mind prior to an encounter with the gospel and how how bad you really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's the great like level setter. Um, and then you realize that... Um, when you when you when you're in that context it's really pride right mm-hmm. because you're looking at someone and going oh you know they've ex- gone through this experience but i i haven't it's really a species of pride inside yeah. of you that that's allowing that to happen um but thank god for his grace right thank god for his word which is faithful to like like a mirror like reveal mm-hmm to us that um that depravity that he kind of talked about and then just leads us to a place where um yeah regardless of of the path that we have taken and we talked about it in the sermon that you know some some paths are this this slow burn if you will mm-hmm. of um of searching and grasping and in other times it's this moment where it happens but God is sovereign over both of those. Right. Um, you know, it's just going to look different, right? As he deals with us as, as individuals, mm-hmm. right? As, as people. The same salvation is being offered to the Saul on the road to Damascus as that little child who grows up in the early church. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. It's the same salvation. And both same of them gospel. are, just as lost yeah just, prior to that gospel right just right. just as lost yeah. i think and that's I, what yeah. one of the things like you said like child growing up in that christian home i think hearing the gospel is different in the sense that you don't hear the sin part of it it's more the love the love part and the loving jesus but you don't see the depravity like of fallenness of mm. mankind like as when as growing up mm-hmm. i think it's that's my i feel like that's more yeah. of my uh experience more the the lovey-dovey stuff the goodness know? of god the goodness of god exactly but mm-hmm. not the mercy or the justice that mm-hmm. yeah he, but we need a full-bodied expression of yeah. of the gospel and without that right um and this was another thing we talked about in the message we talked about you know, I read the quote from that book, uh, Almost Christian, um, sort of talking about um, the the faith that young people who were growing up in the early 2000s, right, those who were teens during that time, the church was presenting to them a gospel and a Christianity that wasn't urgent, wasn't vital wasn't um 
you know, presented to them a God that was there to serve their whims and um, otherwise stayed out of the way. Mm-hmm. And that produced a superficial Christianity, yeah. right? That And, and I think that's it's just really important for us as a church to be fully committed to that full-throated expression of the gospel where um, both the mercy and justice of God is completely um, laid out. And then when you have that full picture, right, you get, you have a Christianity that's, that's worth something that's valuable, yeah. right? That people um, would be willing to sacrifice for, as opposed to something that's just a, a nice add-on to your mm. to your life. And I think that to what you're saying, Neil, when you're talking about your experience growing up mm. and only hearing about the good, the goodness of God or the the love of God things like that what do you guys think are ways that we can give that whole breath or that whole uh, full view of the gospel including consequences including justice to children yeah that's a good one how do we do that because I know for me I have a similar experience to you Neil where I only really recognized it later on when I started thinking about justice and mercy um but for the kids for for our youth how how do we um give that message to them so it's not just a one-sided kind of story what do you guys think stuff yeah i think i think it's not shying away right I, i think what what i've discovered i guess with my own kids and in time spent with children and young people in ministry is they're far more eager and capable to to process and deal with um some of the complexities or some of the um those things that we have an assumption that they yeah they're they're more durable than we give them credit for yes yeah yeah and sort of not shying away and uh, i think we talked about it last week about seeking after those gospel opportunities um you know to to talk about things like sacrifice right on what that means um to um you know i'll I'll take it you know from uh from a different angle you know when i remember growing up and um, when we would take communion that there was a seeming real emphasis on the physical suffering of Christ mm-hmm. which of course there was right yeah. um, but somehow what was missed was to me, right, I'll just say in my experience growing up, was the understanding of the total, complete suffering of Christ, mm-hmm. the, the, the you know, psychological, relational yeah. suffering mm-hmm. that he endured. 
And that's just one example of how we've sort of truncated the gospel down into these into something smaller than what it really is. So in 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 every aspect of how we decide to do church and how we decide to lead our families is to look at and say, okay, am I truncating the gospel here? Or is there an opportunity to, you know, kind of broaden that scope and understand that our our children may be ready for much more than we you know, give them credit for? Mm-hmm. All right, Pastor Willie, Pastor Sean, that was very fruitful. Um, something different from what we usually do. And uh, thank you, Pastor Billy, for bringing it up. And, well, do you have any questions for this week? Sure, just just one, and it was sort of the main question that I left off in the sermon, which was um, um, to consider what risks have you taken mm. um, uh, for the kingdom of God? And to think, meditate and think, when was the la- what was the last risk you took, right? <clears throat> and to even consider if you have taken <laughs> any risks, right? And, to, and then to stop and consider why um, it might be that you have not. Um, and, you know, they, th- those could be any number of things, right? An opportunity maybe that you had to um, reach out to someone and share the gospel with somebody or an opportunity to... Um, you know, go to a certain place or do a certain thing that, you know, we kind of said, mm, too risk, too rich for my blood, right? Too risky. Um, so to take kind of the parable of the pearl of great value and understand that you know, it really is about um, searching after God and taking a risk in that sense and that today be the day to do that. So, yeah, I'll just leave with with that main question from the sermon. I think that's more than enough for us to consider. Thank you, Pastor Billy. Some good questions to think about. Uh, And until next Sunday, let us strive to live all of life to the glory of God.